So, hey, Bodie. Hey, Townsend. It's been a while. Yeah, since uh, yesterday. Since yesterday, it's true. We are uh, doing a little bit of a intro to what we recorded yesterday. We're going to start in the future, then we're going to go back to the past, and then back to the future? And then to the present, I believe. That sounds right. Yeah, so, so Monday evening, we have uh, concluded our watching of all of our various sporting activities, most especially the United States Cyclocross Nationals yesterday. And we're going to talk about that in this episode of the podcast. We recorded a pre-race segment at Roulette yesterday before the men's U23 race and then before both of the elite races. And then we sort of went our separate ways. I went to uh, watch some American football, as you'll hear later in the podcast. Got a little bit of a hard time about that from you, but that's okay. I had <laughs> the uh, Cyclocross Nationals on the laptop and the Saints game on the television and enjoyed both. Everybody knows by now the end result of, of all of that, but we're going to talk about it in this episode of the podcast, as well as maybe a few other random events that are happening on the Lambert calendar. And um, I don't know, you have anything else to add to this intro before we get started? No, just uh, welcome to uh, episode 34 to, of the Yeah You Ride podcast, and uh, let's kick it off. Cue the music. Townsend, it's, uh, it's, this, is a, this is a first for us. We are at Roulette doing a little bit of a live podcast. A little location recording here? Yeah. And Happy New Year. We haven't uh, podcasted since 2017. It's been, yeah, since last year. Hard to believe. Uh, I've missed recording. Uh, we don't have our friend Sergio today. And, and wait, was he, was he missing last time we recorded as he well? He was, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's basically been like four or five years since we recorded a full podcast with the whole crew. Yeah, I'm really worried about Matt. I feel like he doesn't like cycling anymore. doesn't really want to talk about it with us. I mean, I retired from riding, but I still really like uh, watching it and bullshitting about it. Yeah, you never rec- you never retired from podcasting. Oh, no. I, I, I love giving hot takes even more now. So. But your fear is that, that Matt may be trying to do some sort of ghost move on the podcast here? I don't know. I hope not. Uh, but, you know, maybe he's really got into soccer. I know that's what his kids do now. So maybe he's just going to be one of those dudes who watches soccer a lot. Uh, they call that football where Matt's from. Oh, okay. And speaking of football. Hooligan. He's going to be a football hooligan. The football hooligan. That's right. And speaking of football, um, you were giving me a hard time earlier because I am actually ducking out of this live recording at some point in the next couple hours to go back to my house to watch some American football today uh, on TV, and I will have the uh, Cyclocross Nats probably on my laptop. So obviously we know right away off the bat that I've won the podcast today because you are going to leave. I'm, yeah, I've forfeited, basically forfeited. You have forfeited yeah. the, the, the podcast champion of the day by leaving a cycling thing cafe, recording with your bro. You're going to go watch some dummy sport called football 
Um, who's who was playing the Pelicans? I don't I don't know. Yeah, the Pelicans. That's right, Bodie. <laughs> anyway, I mean, yeah, I understand. It's the Saints. Uh, they're in the playoffs. It's hard to. Uh, not washed up with your family. I'm giving you a hard time. And you're also uh, in a cycling kit right now. That's right. So, I mean, I do get some points today, even though I'm forfeiting the win to you. I do get some points for having been out on a bike ride already today. Uh, this is my second trip to Roulet. I started off here this morning with a little uh, pre-ride yogurt and coffee. Did about a 45-mile ride in uh, very cold temperatures. Freezing cold, in fact. Sub, sub-freezing. And uh, and now I'm back for round two, another coffee and a little podcasting. Well, while you were out riding your bike, I was actually watching um, some cyclocross because not only is it the United States Nationals, um, it's many countries' national championships today. Uh, one of which, um, as I called on Facebook, the World Champion Quarterfinals, which was the Belgian National Championships. Right. Well, they'd be the semifinals, right? The Belgian semifinals uh, would be the Bel- the Belgian national champions. Wait, 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 hang on. Sorry, sorry. Interrupt this podcast. We uh, have Wes McWhorter, yeah, the, uh, owner provocateur of Rue Cafe Roulet. I'll tell you what, Bodie. I'm going to jump up and refill my coffee for a second. Let me let Wes take this seat and this microphone for a minute and watch you guys chat for just a second before Wes heads out on a ride. And they're looking resplendent in a in a pomegranate colored Roulet wind vest. I must say. So here, Wes, uh, why don't you grab this seat? Well, hey, Wes, uh, good to have you on the podcast. Thanks. It's it's just hard to believe uh, this is the first time. Serendipitous, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, so thanks for hosting the CX Nats. Of course, man. I figured if we couldn't be out there ourselves, might as well just make a party of it here all day long, you know. We've been a few years. Um, We started off going to Boulder, CX Nats. Dude. I think it's fair to say that's where it all started. I agree. I mean, I, I, I still get like one uh, of those Facebook memories that like yeah. pop up, and it, it's just yeah, it was a good time. A that good was time. a fun trip. Me and you, Rob, uh, drove from New Orleans. To, well, me and you drove from New Orleans to Austin. Right. We raced the Texas Age Graded Championships. Yep. yep. We picked up Rob. We drove like 20 billion hours from Austin to uh, Boulder. And we, me and you raced actually in the same non-championship race, but you got like a lap delayed start. Right. I don't even remember what happened. Like I was just... You didn't realize you were... First time in that, dude. Yeah, I nervous. I don't know if I was like having a PRP or what, you know, but it was just... uh, Yeah, and I flatted within like the first 200 meters. So, yeah, that was quite an experience. And and here we are now... um, I'm retired, you're running the cycling business, um, but we're still loving Cross and and loving Next. So before you go on a ride, though, what are your picks? Elite women, elite men for today, U.S. Nets. I mean, you know, Katie Compton has been coming on super strong, uh, obviously winning DVV over in in Europe this year. I mean, that's exciting to see her doing so well over in Europe, you know. But uh, uh, Caitlin Keogh's been been coming on really strong. um, And... uh, you know, I mean, of course, um, having uh, Ellen Noble in there, you know, to racing uh, up this year from U23s, uh, I think is just going to be a battle. It's going to be hard to beat Katie Compton, though, I think. I mean, I've been looking at this course. It's nothing that's, like, super challenging. You know, she's a great technical rider. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to go with KFC for the women's elite race, which is sort of the perennial favorite. Um, men's race, i got to tell you, I feel like it's it's – as, it's, it's as wide open as it was last year. You know, I mean, Stephen Hyatt has had a, a little bit of an up and down uh, year. Um, 
did did you know fairly solid uh, performances in uh, the World Cup races in in Europe. Um, he's been spending a lot of time over there, which I think has been great. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Powers haven't really seen a ton of Powers uh, in competition this year, um, but I think you can never count him out. Um, but obviously, um, Tobin Ortenblad I think is you know he. In any other year, he would probably be a dark horse favorite, but this year he has really just done, you know, spectacularly in the U.S. circuit, and and uh, he really has. I think it's. I think it, he's he's gained a lot of confidence and a lot of inspiration through those performances, you know. And so, I, I think this race is frankly his to lose. If if everybody rides clean, um, you know, and and Hyde, you know, can sometimes like overcommit as we saw in Asheville, you know, like when he was you know, just about to overtake Powers in that last lap, you know, some little technical bobble yep. in the corner, yeah. Jeremy rides away, you know. So I think it's, you know, again, the race conditions are perfect. You know, it's it's uh, it's a, almost like a Louisiana cross race in the sense that it's <laughs> dry and sunny and beautiful. A little you know? bit higher, though, a little bit more elevation. That's true, that's true, a little colder, too. Yeah. But um, anyway, I think uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tight, you know. Um, uh, but but my money's on, on uh, McTubbin this year. Okay. Because um, we'll see how it shakes out, you know. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. I'm going to go get riding, though, because I, I want to get back sure. to, to watch this right. with you guys. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for Wes, letting me Yeah, Wes, good chatting with you. Have uh, a good ride. For uh, sure. I'll see you in a bit. I'll still be here in the corner. I'll yeah. probably be drinking beer when you get back. Uh, I'm going to drink a beer when I get back to you. So. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks, dude. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, Townsend, um, you know, Wes kind of let us off with the um, U.S. picks. So let's get that in. Let's, let's get our picks in. Yeah, let's talk um, picks. Before we move quickly to some Europe action. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna start first with the elite men, please. And because earlier in the season I had picked McTubbin to win. I said that he started super hot, um, you know, in the beginning, went out like gangbusters. Gonna have a little bit of a slump in the middle of the season, as you know he can't stay fit forever. And now he's ramping back to the end of the season. Uh, I think McTubbin is gonna win. I think it's gonna come down to a two-up sprint between him and Hyde. I think the two of them are gonna get away at some point, and they'll be racing together. Um, so I've had Metubbin on the top step, Stephen Hyde second, uh, barely, you know, just in the sprint. And then third place, I have picked Jay Powell. I feel like he really has a lot to prove. Um, as our friend Matt pointed out to me, Matt Urchel, he uh, skipped racing in Europe to train uh, in New Mexico. Seems like he's been there for a while. Um, so I feel like he's going to come in blazing hot, and he's, gonna, he's really going to show the young guns that he is not done kicking their butts. Um, so that's my podium. All right. Men. So, wow, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so tempted to agree with everything you've just said. And coming over here today, my, my picks were uh, McTubbin uh, on the top step, uh, Stephen Hyde second, uh, and Kerry uh, Werner in third that was my that was my pre-planned podium but given the fact that you and Wes have now both picked McTubbin on okay. the top step yeah I'm gonna go ahead shout out to our boys from Pensacola I'm gonna go ahead and ride with Hyde Pride today uh, and go ahead and flip those top two and pick Stephen Hyde to win McTubbin second <laughs> Carrie Warner in third J-Pow top five, but I don't see J-Pow on the podium in this race. Okay. Uh, All right. So I like it. That's, those are my thoughts there. Look, it, I, I love Stephen Hyde. I would love to see him win. I just, like I said, I made the call earlier, so I'm going to stick with it. Earlier in the season, I made the call. McTubb would do it. So yeah. I think it's going to be an amazing race. I'm really excited. I think 
this will be the first time we see, or maybe even last year when Hyde went, but we see a really even, the, the top four or five guys right now in the States are very evenly matched. And um, I feel like it's going to be a great battle. So. Yeah, it, it's the sort of course that isn't going to just completely blow up a race, right? I mean, it looks like it's rideable, it's dry, the weather's not going to be a huge factor, there's no feature in it that looks like it's really going to, you know, knock people one way or the other. And so we could be in for a really, really good race, you know, at the at the sharp end of it. You know, the, the, the top 10 could be riding together for a, for a good part of the race, and, and we, we could have some we could have some real fireworks in the later laps as people try to separate themselves from you know an overall strong field like you say so looking forward to it i want to give a special shout out to who i'm calling my dark horse pick uh mr alan krugoff uh is he racing the elites (laughs) alan krugoff Oh, I'm sorry. I'm th- I, I, you said Alan Krugoff. I'm thinking, um, you said Alan Krugoff, and I'm thinking Adam Meyerson. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, so, and the reason why I say that is because I was, we were just speaking with Wes, and, and we went to Boulder Nats, and that's where I, Alan Krugoff got fifth place in Nationals there. And I'm thinking the Boulder course and the conditions seem very similar to what we have in Reno. Not quite as high in elevation, but seems to be pretty dry, super fast with some climbing. Uh, so I could, uh, that's my dark horse pick, you know, look for, uh, Alan Krugoff to maybe get a top five, um, and kind of shake things up a bit. That'd be great. And honestly, Bodie, though I've picked Stephen Hyde for the win, just because of your bold early season prediction of McTubbin back before anybody could have possibly had the sense that he would be a true contender for, uh, Nats this year, you making that pick. I'm, I'm hoping that comes to fruition because, you know, the, the timing would be perfect. I could, I could see McTubbin winning the jersey and, and that doing a lot of great things, that making Stephen Hyde even more hungrier um, and really wanting to take it back. That could give McTubbin that confidence um, that he, I mean, I know he has, but he's felt a little bit, maybe a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And, and, and to see someone else rock the Stars and Stripes would be, I think, entertaining for the fans and really good for the sport in general. To, um, it'll be reminiscent of the Tim Johnson, Ryan Trebone, Jay Powell, you know, early days. So, yeah, I think it's, it could be cool. I'd like to see McTubbin win it this year and take the Stars and Stripes over to Europe and kick some, kick some European ass uh, next season in the World Cup. Yeah, we really haven't seen him go over to Europe a lot this season, so we're not sure. You know, so far this year, it's mostly just been Stephen Hyde. But uh, speaking of Euros, well, you know what? Sorry. We did the men. Let's do the women. Yep. You want me to go first on this yeah. one? Who are your picks? CX Nats, ladies. I mean, the elite women. So, certainly have to agree with Wes that Uh, coming into this race uh, agree with Wes and probably everybody else that's making predictions about this that that Katie Compton has got to be the favorite going into the race Um, great season she's had so far I mean set set goals to go over to Europe and and do well in the in the uh, DVV series and won that series didn't do quite as well in the World Cups as she had hoped to do but set goals for herself this year, 
achieved those goals, riding super strong. When she has come undone this year, she's come undone typically because of either some mild mechanical issues or the sort of asthma issues that she suffers from. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't wish ill on anyone, but if I'm just looking into a crystal ball and trying to dream up a scenario where something other than Katie Compton winning this race happens, um, and, and I'm going to because I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a, a bold prediction in the women's race, uh, Katie Compton suffers from some sort of an as mechanical, I'm going to call it, <laughs> uh, and, and doesn't win the race comes down to a contest between Ellen Noble and Katie Keough. All right. Ellen Noble on the last lap, bunny hops the patriarchy on her way <laughs> to a victory I love it. in the elite women's, uh, followed by Katie Keough. And Katie Compton, um, making a strong move to recover from her as mechanical, makes uh, rounds out the podium in third. All right. Well, that is a, uh, I like that. I like that. I think it's a bold pick. Um, I like the story. You've also intertwined in your picks. Um, would love to see Ellen Noble win national championships. I'm actually rocking my bunny hop, the patriarchy shirt oh, you right are. now. Absolutely. Um, with my Ellen Noble supporter on the back. It was kind of hiding behind that sweet flannel that you're it is, wearing. Yeah. It is. Well, you know, this flannel is my uniform. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm gonna, I, my pick is, is Katie Compton. I, you know, unless, like you said, something happens, a mechanical, or she suffers from asthma again, I just, I just can't see her being beaten. I don't think that Katie has, Katie Keo has beaten um, Katie Compton this year. So I see, you know, Katie, Com Katie Keo coming in second, and I've picked Ellen Noble to get third. And I think a third for Ellen Noble at elite nationals after winning U23 last year would be a solid result and a good kickoff to the rest of her Europe campaign. And speaking of Ellen Noble, um, she has announced on Twitter that she had some big news that she wants, she can't wait to tell everybody um, post nationals. Yeah. And, um, and I, you, you've got a few ideas about I've what that might be. You're going to throw out a sort of top three ideas top of three, what that might be. Yeah, I got a little uh, insider uh, info uh, last night, but I'm not going to you know, say who my source is or, or give me a hint, but some top three things that could, some of news items that Ellen Noble could be talking about after Nats. Um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the same vein of uh, Nikki Bramier and her Medita program, I could see Ellen Noble getting a, a good group of sponsors and starting a women's program that includes, uh, her own women's program, that includes a Devo program for juniors and U23 women. That would so, basically be piggybacking on something that she's essentially already doing with the women's sort of development yeah, her, her, programs, her camp, camps yeah, that exactly, she's got. Her quest. So sort of make that official, get some more money behind it, and actually have sort of a developmental juniors U23 team and, Have and sponsor squad, herself. Yeah. yeah. So I could see that. Uh, another option I could see. I think see that'd be great. Is, is maybe um, like she did last year or two years ago is a, a big road contract. She had a kind of a tough road season this year, but I, I know that sometimes sponsors and teams can see past that when they know how capable the athlete is. So I could see number two, 
a big road announcement. You know, maybe she joins someone like Canyon Tram, or maybe she, or maybe a bigger American team, and does sort of does the. You know, maybe she goes to rally, um, and does a lot of crits um, in the states. Yeah, no, that would also be great. Obviously, for her, that would be tremendous news. You wish everyone well in their career, both as a cyclocross rider and a road rider, if that's the way they want to go. Always get a little bit sort of uh, conflicted when you hear about cross riders getting road contracts. You, you hope that they stick around and continue to compete and cross. So I'd be happy if that's what it is. Uh, but uh, hope that uh, road doesn't take her away from cross if that is in fact the news. The other idea I had, the third thing that could happen is that we see similar to what uh, Ella Anderson has done and you know Amy Dombrowski is that she goes to Europe and joins one of those squads and really pull, you know, invests in racing a full Euro season um, like Jonathan Page had done in past times and uh, as I said Amy Dombrowski and Ella Anderson. So, yeah, presume if that happens that she would be one of the riders from whatever team that might be that would continue to come over to, to the States and at least do Definitely the World, World Cup Cups, races yeah. that are here. Um, Pan Ams and Nationals, but I could see sure. her focusing a lot more in Europe because she had a really, what was the race that her and Katie uh, Compton were off the front that eventually Sonic Kant, you know, bossed her way back up the top. Yeah, I'd have to dig back deep into the archives for that, but I believe it was one of the Super Prestige, or, or was it, no, it was a World Cup race. I think it was a Super Prestige. Right. As, uh, as our friend Thomas Gibbons said, you want to join a Euro team, you need, you need to have Euro results. Yeah. And I could see a team seeing that, seeing the potential in Ellen Noble. Uh, I think she's also, just in terms of... Uh, social media she's really good and having that having an American rider on a Europe team could also be really good for Americans getting better access to races in Europe because you have an American rider that has a big following you start bringing sponsors um, from the states over to Europe those state sponsors want to have their races shown and their products shown in America and I just I just see this could be a uh, beneficial to everybody, uh, fans and Ellen Noble alike. So Yeah, and it would it'd just be also very nice to have an American to cheer for in all of those European races that you and I get up so horribly early to watch <laughs> all year long. Because if I'm not mistaken, there's, uh, you know, Katie Compton obviously spent, you know, a good bit of the season racing uh, over in Europe this year, but, but for an American team... Um, and it'd be great to, I don't think there are any Americans racing for any European cross teams at this point in time. Right? The only one would be Ella Anderson. That's right, of course, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, well, So of those three, I would, I would want to go with either one or three as my personal picks just for what I'd want to see. Um, and if I had to guess which one of those it would be, I would guess that it would be number three. Yeah. That's just my thought. Okay. I could see someone like uh, Telena Fidea picking her up, um, especially with the Trek sponsorship tie-in. But I want to move on to some Europe racing that happened today before the uh, U23 men's race starts, and we will we'll want to watch that. Yeah, we've um, got about eight minutes, so that's yeah. perfect, perfect amount of time to talk about it. So, okay, so we're talking about the Belgian national champs. You, 
I called it the quarterfinals, semifinals. Yeah. So I, I, it's like the Dutch and the Belgian are the playoff. That's right. And then the world championships. That's right. So the semifinals. Semifinals. The, yeah. So we had a pretty good race in the Belgian um, championships. At, at one point, it looked like Lauren Sweek was going to pull it off and be the new Belgian national champion. Um, but he was, Wout was able, able to sort of yeah. overcome. I don't know that it was ever to the point where you were thinking he was actually going to win the race. Th but when, with, with what, two and a half laps to go, he and Wout were riding most of the race together. And with about two and a half laps to go, Sweek made a move that Wout did not cover. Yeah. And got a gap of 50 yards, maybe, on him. Yeah. But Wout looked like he never was really panicking. And given what we all know about Wout's abilities, and also given what we all know about Sweek's tendency to go out hot and fade. Yeah, very true. Uh, I was never convinced that, that Wout wasn't just waiting for the right opportunity to catch him. And ultimately, that's what happened. He caught him, and then when he caught him, he rode right past him, and victory was in the bag almost as quickly as it looked like maybe Sweek had the potential. But it was a great race. It was a good race. Um, Sweek was riding the sand really well. Um, kudos to him for, you know, really making it interesting. Um, so in the women's side, I didn't get to see the race, but we saw Sonicant won. Uh, I watched a good bit of the women's race. Um, it was not ever much of a race out front. Sonicant rode on her own at the front of that race. It was a pretty good race for P2, 3, and 4. Um, Ellen Van Loy eventually established herself in a solid second-place position and ultimately finished second. And then it was a great battle for third between Laura Verdonshot and Low Cells. Yeah. And it looked like Verdonshot had it for a bit. I'm a big fan of hers. It was really, really, really pulling for her. Um, but Low Cells just kind of kept the power on and, and caught her and passed her and ended up finishing third. But it was fun, fun race to watch. Great course. I mean, it's just you can't beat that Coke side of uh, course. It really is something special. Um, so moving on, we had another race that I watched were the, the British the Women's British National Championships. Uh, really good battle between Helen Wyman and Nikki Bramier, um, both in new kits, new bikes, looking really good. I got to say, I, I would give a big, solid panache to Nikki Bramier's Marita kit and sort of a maroon and orange and with yeah, black bibs kind of yeah. have some like some some stripes on it, some dashes. Um, rocking the white socks, which I know that, and black shoes, um, which I know that Matt Kite, Sertirio, would really approve of. Um, Helen Wyman was, was it was it was a pretty close battle, but Helen Wyman was dropping her on a climb, and eventually the elastic snapped, and she rode away with a victory, her 10th uh, British National Championship. I know her new sponsors are super stoked. Um, Wait, maybe I'm thinking of Helen Wyman's new kit. 
is it sort of a reddish? Well, it was orange? red, but this today was blue. Okay. So before she might have been wearing, I don't know exactly what. I saw doing. some Instagram photos of it, and and I thought it looked really really nice. Um, so on the French side of things, I know that Pauline Ferrand Prevost, she won. Uh, I don't know if she's going to go to Worlds. I heard that she was just racing the Nationals, but I hope to see her at Worlds. Um, Dutch women, Lucinda Brand won. That's cool. We kind of get a little bit of her here and there during the season. So yeah. hopefully with being the Dutch national champion in cyclocross, we'll see her kind of in a full season. I mean, she, she usually races roads, so I think she has no, to take She's some also time the off. Dutch road champion. Maybe, maybe not the current Dutch road yeah. champion, but she is a, a former two-time, I think, Dutch road champion. So I, I, get the, I get the impression that her allegiance is still to the road, number one. Um, but yeah, maybe winning the, winning the uh, Nats will uh, do something about that. Marianne Voss did not start, didn't race today. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who rounded out the podium in that race, but um, that was yesterday. So that, so that would have been Christine Majerus then. Okay. Christine Majerus is the Dutch women's national champion, right? That's the Dutch flag, right? Uh, no, yes, but she's the Dutch, you're looking at road championships? No, I'm looking at CX today. Uh, no, that is that is not the that is right there the Dutch flag next oh, to Lucinda Brand. Sorry, we just said that. Yeah. Eva Lechner for Italy, Christine Majerus. That is the um, the flag of a, a country that I've been put on the spot and can't name at this point in time. All right. Well, she we we'll have to look that up and we'll add it in. Well, maybe we'll have Matt. Uh, do a little soundbite and edit in. Who, who? It's one of the smaller European countries. Liechtenstein. That's not Liechtenstein. I don't know where she. I don't know where she's from. Anyway, um, Vanderpool won today. Um, Thomas Pidcock. Thomas Pidcock won the U23 British National Championships. Uh, so did the Evelyn Stevens on the ladies' side. Not sure who won on the men's side, but you know. We don't see a lot of them anyway, so. <laughs> On the men's side in the British? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. Uh, Tom Pidcock probably would have won it had he raced elites, but yeah. he's wanting to, wanting to save that uh, because he wants to race U23s at Worlds, I guess. Yeah, I, I assume that he, he did, he's done as a junior. He'll do it this year probably. Uh, him and Eli Ezerby are the favorites for the U23 Worlds. Wins it this year, I, I assume that he would run, uh, just ride elites, um, a la Vanderpool and Wout the following season. Um, well, I mean, we're about to have the U23 men's race go off, so should we just uh, wrap it up for the time being and uh, yeah. come back a little bit before? Do you have any thoughts about this race, Bodie? The U23 race. U23 race. I think um, my pick, yeah, I do have a lot of thoughts, actually. So I think that Gage Heck is going to win. I think that Spencer Petroff is going to come in second. And in third place, I, I picked Lance Haydet, the current U23 uh, men's champion, mm -hmm. to come in third. Uh, I know that Gage has had a really super strong latter half of the season. Yep. And the last time, I'm not sure when the last time Gage and Spencer have lined up, but they've raced a lot coming up 
Um, that's when Spencer at the, at the Pan Ams, when he broke his chain, and Gage really ran away with that race. And so that would have been a good indicator of how today's race is going to go if he had not broken his chain. I just think that right now Gage is just is just too strong for Spencer. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't have any necessarily podium picks, um, but certainly big fan of Gage Heck. Um, Shout out to our buddy Vince G and the Avolo cycling yep, team right. where uh, Gage raced for. And speaking of that, uh, do you happen to see Vince's Instagram today where he posted a shot of those sweet Avolo team sneakers that he's got? I think I've seen those, yeah. Whoo, man. I don't know if those are like the team podium shoes or if those are some special mechanic shoes. Maybe Vince can drop us a message and let us know, but... Um, those are some sort of sweet 80s throwback, like high-top-looking uh, sneakers in the Avolo team colors. That is a – and they say Avolo on the side of them. I mean, it's a strong, strong sneaker. Um, sneaker game on point. Well, hopefully we see those on the podiums this year for with Avolo. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, – let's, let's watch see. some races. Let's watch some racing. Yeah, I'm going to say it was the best cyclocross race of the season so far. I've messaged that to you yesterday as we were sort of going back and forth after the race talking about it, and uh, I'm going to stand by that. I got to say that it definitely it ranks top three. There might have been a women's race in Europe. I can't you know name. There's been a few exciting ones, but just to see J-Pow take it to all these young guns and... I'm going to quote myself. I said, J-Pow is not done kicking their butts. Talking about guys like Hyde, Kerry Warner, Tobin Ordenblad. And uh, I might have been off on my picks, but wow. To watch Jeremy just go to the front for most of the race and just destroy the top elite men, except for Stephen Hyde. Yeah, he, well, so, so yeah, he destroyed everyone but Stephen Hyde. Uh, and spent a couple laps doing everything he could to try to destroy Stephen Hyde, and it didn't work. And it was a phenomenal back and forth for a bit there. I mean, the last lap and a half of that race before Stephen Oof. Hyde ultimately got away from Jeremy, it was just some great back and forth. Um, those guys giving it pretty much everything they had, and it turned out at the end of the day, Stephen Hyde... Had a little bit more than Jeremy Powers, but yeah, I mean, absolutely kudos to you for going with that pick and calling it, Bodie. Stephen Hyde, definitely not done. He had an answer for uh, everybody on that race course yesterday, with the exception of Stephen Hyde. And a lot of people were thinking that everybody had the answer for, for J-Pow, but uh, he, he showed them that he's still got plenty, plenty left. He's not done. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what he does from here. I mean, I know that I mean, we this are the rumors of retirement or just talking about he, you know, he's 
very upfront. This is the last part of his career, and he's been around for a while. I mean, we were just talking about, and I'm using Boulder Nats as my reference points because that's the first time I went to Nationals at my first season across. 2014. 2014, um, and here we are, 2018. The top five then versus the top five now, Jay Powell is the only guy who is in both of those. Um, I feel like he is a bridge to the Tim Johnsons and the Ryan Trebones, Stephen Hyde, Kerry Warner, Tobin. You know, these guys are sort of the new blood, and uh, which has been really cool to see that and to see them ride so strong this year. Um, but Wiley O.J. Powell is just like, no, not done yet, guys. Um, well, you said to me after the race, you said this was the passing of the torch race that we wanted to see last year. That is, last year everyone sort of presumed that Stephen Hyde had a chance to win U.S. Nationals and that it would be Jay Powell giving him a run for his money but maybe Hyde coming out on top and that we would see the metaphorical torch passed. And then you said, well, we got that race this year. And I'd certainly agree with that in that the race this year was between Jay Powell and Stephen Hyde, and that's the race that a lot of people wanted to see last year. and We didn't get, mainly probably owing to the course conditions as much as anything last year. Well, I think Jay Powell had that injury last year that kind of took him out starting in September, and just it just he never had a good season. Um, so, you know, and like, <clears throat> crap, what was I say? Um well, let me pick it back up yeah. while you clear your throat and say that, yes, I understand what you're saying when you say we got that passing of the torch race this year, but I think it's also clear J-Pow's torch is still burning bright, and he's not Super necessarily hot, yeah. not necessarily passing it just yet. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, I, he was not, like, he was not wanting to pass that torch. Like, he wanted it back. Um, be interesting to see if maybe he does... A little bit like a lighter schedule or something. Maybe just focuses on like a you know, you know five you know to seven quality races. You know that he just works his schedule around and then you know maybe helps out his team as sort of support mentorship and the other side to you know because like obviously he can put together an amazing race. I mean he had a lot of training leading up to nationals. He skipped Europe as we mentioned in the podcast. And I think a lot of things came together, and so he can still make that happen. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens now. Um, curious to see what happens next year with people like Tobin, who I'm sure he, he, I mean, he had a phenomenal season. I'm hoping he's got more sponsors or he'll have a big team. Um, I, you know, he kind of did it privateer this year, was out of a minivan. I mean, I feel like that guy needs to, he deserves a large amount of support. Um, Kerry Warmer stepped up third place, got third last year. I mean, I know that he's probably wanting to get a little higher on the podium than that, but look, all of those guys looked really comfortable in the early to middle part of that race. Um, you know, none of them, none of them are lacking or struggling with confidence or uh, technical abilities. This just looked like a a race of attrition where it was a situation where they just, didn't didn't have it to hang. I mean, the pace was hot. J-Pow went out, like you said earlier, got on the front and just drove it. I can't remember what Tim Johnson used, uh, used a expression that I hadn't heard before um, to describe the kind of pace that J-Pow was riding. And it wasn't like 
a hammer pace, but it was a pace that was you know, just furious enough to keep anybody from being able to make any sort of move to get around him. Um, and ultimately turned out to be the kind of pace that, you know, after 40 minutes, just started shelling guys. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Hyde said in his post-race that he he saw what was happening and he was okay with it. He was like, I'm just going to sit here um, and just let this happen. And I think as it was either it was either Kerry or Tobin who let a gap open at some point, probably around that 40-minute mark, when Stephen's like, okay, now I got to go. And yeah. he makes a move. Jay Powell follows. And they, they pop off, I believe, Kerry Warner. And then a few laps later is when there are some attacks, and then Tobin gets popped, and then it's down to those two. And that one, that I don't, was that a lap to go or two laps to go, where that just they are both gunning for a turn. Like you, you see someone attack, and then the next person like tries to get on the wheel, but this is like two guys attacking both two different lines and just going full gas like full gas sprinting for the this apex corner. of the yeah, corner like knowing that whoever gets there first is really gonna yeah that was the last lap of the race right before the big uphill know, the big uphill yeah i think that they won who got there first could probably you know start the run first could probably get away with it so yeah, man, I had shivers. I got shivers thinking about it right now. I want to. I want to watch that race again. Yeah, um, no, great, great race. And Hyde rode a really smart race. Like you said, he was. He, he sat back. He was in fourth, fifth place pretty much that entire race until things really started happening, uh, and he. He got himself into the right position at the right time every time. You know, every time a little gap opened up and it looked like one that was that needed to be closed, he'd you know he'd go from fifth, you know, up and cover that gap, and then somebody would pop off the back immediately. You know, he was constantly going around guys that that were showing signs of weakness at exactly the right time, so that he never got himself hung out and never had any anything bigger than a few bike lengths of a gap to close, and just kind of sat in, rode real smart and. Like you say, never panicked. Great race. I'm personally already looking forward to Nats in December, later this year. Yeah. No. The end of this next cyclocross season, just to see what happens. Um, so. So yeah, let's uh, move on from the men and uh, talk about the women. Yeah, uh, I do want to come back just after we wrap up the other action from the day to, to offer a few thoughts about the, the shape of, of U.S. Yeah. cross. Um, but I will, I'll, I'll get to that. Don't let me forget to, to come back to that after we talk about the, the women's race. And if you want, we can talk about the U23 race as well. But yeah, go ahead, Bodie. Uh, why don't you intro the women's race? Because that was another great race. Yeah, that was a good race. Different um, kind of race, but, definitely but a great race. Definitely different kind of race. Um, KFC, 14 uh, times in a row, is your women's U.S. Uh, national champion. Is it 14 consecutive? I know it's 14, but is there was there a... Yeah, it's consecutive. It is consecutive, okay. Yeah, there's a there's a, a year that's missing because that was the year they went from a December Nats to a January Nats. Right. So, uh, but if she wins this December, it'll make up for that because she'll have two in ex- 2018. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> As we're back to the December Nats. I don't now. know how they're going to designate that in all the records and... Uh, the hashtag, right, is going to be CXNATX2018-2? Well, this year they X2? actually they got away from the year. They just 
the the official hashtag this year was just uh, hashtag CXNats. Oh, all my all my photos are wrong. Yeah, damn it. gotta um, go edit them. So yeah, Katie Compton won. Ellen Noble came in second, and third place. Wow, I'm blanking. Katie Keo. Katie Keo. So that was a little bit of a swap for my picks. I picked Keo over uh, Noble. Um, well, and I picked Noble over uh, Compton. Compton. My, my my podium was was uh, essentially. Two, three, one. The way it worked out, I picked uh, Noble first, uh, Katie Keo second, and Compton third. And as you remember, and the people that are listening to this podcast will have just heard me talk about in the past, but recent past, as it rolls out on the podcast, I was predicting some sort of mechanical or physical uh, asthma type situation. Uh, as the only really way that Katie Compton was going to get beat. That didn't turn out to be the case. She rode a flawless race. Um, no mechanicals, no health problems at all. And um, and because of that, uh, really just established herself. I mean, I think she probably had already established herself as the best women's cyclocross racer in that field. I don't think anybody would argue that all yeah, things being no. equal on a perfect yeah. day for everybody. She wins every She's time. She's the best, yeah. I mean, I, you can't argue with that. Uh, but Ellen Noble, um, strong, really strong ride. And, and this is what I'm seeing on, you know, on Twitter and stuff. Is, is, this, is this maybe the first time where Katie Compton uh, crosses the finish line and the second place is, is still is in the photo. Yeah. So so Ellen Noble and her rode together for a while. Um, at some point, Katie dropped her, but then the gap was around. I mean, fifteen seconds. Fifteen seconds. Uh, Katie bobbled in the last lap, and so Ellen Noble, you know, closed that gap a little bit. So just just the fact that they're coming. You know, they are getting closer. The yeah. rest of the women's field. Um, there's still unstoppable force of Katie Compton, but Ellen Noble, fantastic ride. I mean, I, yeah. she's got to be super stoked about second sure. place. Yeah, and let's just look for a moment at the 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 gap between uh, Ellen Noble in second and Katie Keogh in third, and then even back to fourth. Yeah. Um, and and I can't remember uh, who finished fourth. Fourth was Courtney McFadden, who Courtney I McFadden. who I picked yeah. in fourth. I saw some good. Uh, Good, uh, so your top four sensations. was all right, just in the wrong order. Yeah. Um. Well, Ellen Noble absolutely was far and away the second best racer on the day. I mean, there was no question there. She firmly established herself as, you know, if there is an heir apparent to Katie Compton's rule, uh, it would you would have to say, based on her performance yesterday, um, that, that Ellen Noble seems to be had have firmly notched herself I think above Katie Keogh as as second in line and I'm not just saying that because she finished second in the race yesterday but it was the way she rode and the authority with which she finished in second place Katie Keogh's had some great results this year and and most especially in some of the European races I mean she's won World Cup races had a fantastic season um, but I don't know something about the the determination and the grit with which Ellen Noble rode yesterday. From my money, she's the she's the second strongest woman right now. Well, m- maybe right now, and I'm saying based off yesterday, but Caitlin Keogh is still second in the world, I believe, 
and second. She's in, ranked higher than Ellen in the Noble. World Cups. Yeah. Uh, she's had a little, a few more World Cup podiums than Ellen Noble. But yeah, I mean, it's they're both right there, just doing riding amazingly. Yeah, Courtney Fadden got uh, fourth, and then Amanda Nauman got fifth. Uh, that's a really strong ride for Amanda Nauman. Um, someone who I follow on social media is really good at promoting herself and just telling her story. Yeah. Um, so really cool to see her get fifth place. And Sammy Runnels, who we talk about a lot on the podcast because she's out of Texas and friends of friends, and she uh, top seven. I mean, she got seventh place. That's great yeah. ride for her. I mean, she's had some UCI wins this year. Really strong uh, cross season for her. So just exciting stuff. Hey, look, I also owe an apology to the Reno race course. Um, I was describing it yesterday before we watched these races as being sort of a little nondescript and maybe not having anything particularly compelling about it. Um, and, and visually, I'm still going to stick with that description. But man, watching people race that course, that was a great course. You know, that was a great cyclocross course to to watch people race. It had great features in in in, in good positions. Um, had a lot of different kinds of efforts that were necessary. Um, it was and and even it was it was dry, so weather wasn't a factor. And sometimes when you see these dry courses and weather's not really a factor, it's just kind of a you know, grass crit kind of a race course, but you know, this had, you know, a lot of dismount stuff, a lot of uh, running, just fun to watch people race the course. Yeah, and it was set up really well for the broadcast too. I yeah. think uh, they did a really good job this year of making sure you could see a lot of the race course, um, getting good camera angles where we wanted to see things that happened. Um, and just, it was a solid feed. Like, I don't think it ever broke. I don't think it ever got dropped. They had no tractors running over cables like last year or snow plowing or whatever. So, um, and they even like the day before tested out the feed. And so there was like the men's single speed and, um, some junior races that were on the day before, or maybe, I don't know what it was, but that was cool to see. So kudos to that whole staff. Um, just really good, really good production. Um, excited to see some of the videos that come out of that. Um, and my dark horse pick, um, Alan Krugoff, got eighth. He uh, strong ride. He was in that first couple laps. He was almost connecting with the front group. You could see him. He was yeah. sort of in no man's land between that front group of like seven, and there was a second group of seven, and him and I think Tristan Cowie were in the middle, and they just oh they almost connected, but uh, just can't, couldn't quite make it. But so. they got a lot of airtime. They did. Yeah, so, it was so nice. Shout out. It was very to nice you, to Alan. see. Um, we were rooting for you. Um, do you want to go over any of the other uh, races for the day? I mean, I mean, do you want to talk about uh, the only other race that I actually watched enough to even comment on was the the men's U23? But why don't you throw out some some results uh, from that race, and then maybe we can just talk about overall impressions of uh, uh, of the of the event. Well, I think uh, in the U, in the women's U23, I think I nailed the podium with Emma White, Clara Hossinger, who's out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, and Katie Klaus, and then we had the which is strong, strong picking because you know though you don't not not everybody knows uh, all of these U twenty three well racers. You know, I did well I think it did was your pretty, homework it was pretty pretty easy to pick Emma White sure uh, I also went to Pan Am's I also read uh, Colin Reuter's picks on CX oh, magazine so you just copied somebody else's picks. well no I read his picks and 
and Agreed. decided they looked good. And decided they looked really good. <laughs> um, but the the men's U23, uh, I think Christopher Blevins might have surprised a few people uh, winning that race with Eric Brunner in second and Grant Elwood in third. Uh, Gage Hecht uh, finished fourth, who I think most of us were who all picked him to win. I think it was his race to win, but he got a flat, and uh, that kind of took him out of it. So, but let me tell you, those those top three, um, it wasn't a foregone conclusion no. that, that Hecht was going to beat any one of those three guys. No, that's they, true. They all rode super strong. Yeah, um, that, so that was a fun race. And then in the juniors, men junior 17 to 18, we had Ben Gomez, Villafane, Villafane, Villafange, uh, Scott Funston, and Dylan McNeil. Don't know a lot about those guys, except I watched Ben win uh, Pan Ams, and he was wearing his Pan Am jersey. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a minute. Okay, well, would you, we could just segue right to it. Cause Let's do it. it. So, yeah, you, you, we, you and I both noticed, um, it was fairly obvious, that uh, both of the Cannondale team riders, what's the name of that team, the official name of the team? Cannondale CX World. Cannondale CX World. Uh, both of those riders, that's Emma White and Stephen Hyde, uh, who were the uh, Pan Am winners in their respective divisions, uh, were not wearing the Pan Am jersey. They were the only riders who had won Pan Am titles that were not. And uh, you and I were wondering why not. Because Katie Compton wore hers, uh, Gage wore his, and Ben Gomez Villafane uh, wore his. That's right. Uh, so, I did a little deep dive into the UCI regulations. Uh, it's not, turns out, it's not mandatory that a uh, rider who is a uh, continental champion wear the continental champion's jersey. It is, however, mandatory if you're the world champion, for instance, that you wear the world champ's jersey. Okay. Um, and depending on what country you're from, if you are the national champion, uh, you would wear that. Now, of course, you would never wear the national champs jersey in the national championship race uh, because that jersey is yeah. up for grabs. Um, but if you're the reigning Pan Am champion, obviously, as Katie Compton and, and Gage uh, elected to do, you are allowed to wear the Pan Am champs jersey, but you're not required to unless your continental uh, division, whatever that happens to be, whether it's the Euros or in this case Pan Am, a conference, a, a continental uh, competition committee can pass a regulation that uh, makes it mandatory to wear that. And I think maybe in the Euros, they do have a mandatory rule uh, because uh, those guys always wear the, the uh, Euro Champs jersey, but apparently there is no rule in Pan Am that says it's mandatory to wear it. And presumably, the, either both Emma White and Stephen Hyde decided on their own not to wear it, or more likely, the Cannondale team strongly suggested that they wear their trade team kit. I wanted um, to get those green colors out there. That's know, right. Give them a chance to wear them. Look, I mean, you know, that's a distinctive jersey. I mean, you know that, uh, you know that uh, that's Cannondale when you see it, right? Yeah. Um, 
Well, that's interesting. We should, if we can dig up some photos of Matthew Vanderpool at the Dutch National Championships, because he is the European champion currently. So will he be wearing his Eurochamps jersey at the Dutch National Championships? Well, we could pause it and find out, or you could look while we're talking. Um, I, I, I tell you, while you're looking for that, I will, not to monopolize the microphone, but uh, while you're looking for that, I will give a couple sort of final thoughts uh, and, and pick your brain and see what you think about this, Bodie. Um, you and I both watched a whole lot of cyclocross this year. You've probably watched more domestic cyclocross than I have, uh, but I've watched a fair bit. We've certainly both watched a tremendous amount of European cyclocross. We've gotten up at those god-awful early hours to, to watch the various European series and the World Cup races in Europe. We watched the uh, European National Championship races uh, on Sunday morning before we headed over to Roulette. So suffice to say that I think you and I both have a, a fair amount of, of sort of just general background of watching cyclocross races in the U.S. and in Europe. And I don't think you and I would disagree that they're probably, you know, 18 Belgian and Dutch people that you've never heard of that could come over to the United States and whoop up on, you know, all sorts of American elite men that uh, raced and did well in our national championships yesterday, right? I mean, that there are plenty of, there's plenty of European cyclocross talent, most especially in Belgium and, and the Netherlands, no doubt. But what I came away from yesterday after watching, again, lots of European and American racing and watching that American National Championship race yesterday is, you know, whatever the absolute difference between the talent in the States and Europe is, I have to say, the racing in the States is fantastic. You know, I agree. We may not have the overall depth of talent that they've got in, in Europe, but that race to me yesterday just said, you know, the top 10, you know, elite American men or women, any, you know, any day of the week can get out there and put on an electrifying race experience for the fans, uh, for, you know, amongst themselves. And it's very competitive, maybe even more competitive at the top than in Europe. You know, in Europe, you sort of have a couple people that really establish, have established themselves as the great racers. Uh, but it's a little more wide open here. I mean, granted, we've got Stephen Hyde, who's, you know, won the national championship two years in a row, and he's competing against Jeremy Powers, who's won, you know, four of the last, had won four of the last five or six. Uh, but I, I just, I feel this, the state of, of U.S. cross, again, maybe not in an absolute sense of, of sure, talent, I mean, but the competitiveness, uh, the, the, the scene is really strong and it's great. And that's coming from someone, I'm not just waving the flag here, I'm saying as a fan, uh, it's fun to watch and I'm, I'm proud to, I'm, I'm proud to, uh, to say that, that U.S. cross is awesome. Yeah, and I think I've seen a lot of stuff coming, a lot of uh, stuff on the social media is coming out. Just everybody just having a blast at Reno. It looked like uh, that was a really good venue. 
just an overall good event. Um, we had uh, Jonathan Page, who retired. It was his last race, you know, who's also won four national championships, went over to Europe, uh, did, made a career there. Um, so a lot, a lot of good fields for cyclocross right now. Um, I saw a tweet, um, I believe, from the guy who promotes uh, Cross Vegas, or now, now it would be Cross Reno, Looking at overall attendance numbers and that, that Reno was pretty low, um, actually the highest numbers in the last 20 years was Asheville. Um, sort of looking at, you know, location probably has a lot to do with it. Um, so, and then the thought was, well, gosh, Louisville is coming up and it's going to be in December. It, it might be like a banger of a party. Um, just, I think a lot of people will be there. It's very centrally located. Once again, it's in December. I think that's really, I think the December Nats, well, it'll be interesting to see how that affects um, participation at the amateur level, you know, the right. guys like us. Um, and I think that that was the reason Nats was brought back to December it was mostly because USAC reached out to the members and said, hey, what do you guys think? And, and this is what they most... People res responded they wanted in December, and then USAC did that. And I also had a thought that that's pretty cool. Like, I feel like there's been a big change at USAC over the last few years um, from when we started riding bikes to where it is now. Um, and then a lot of times USAC gets made out to be the enemy or there's some or like this, I don't know, there, there's, you know, people just like, oh, we don't want to sanction our races or, you know, this the man, you know, or, you know, corporation and... But I think that USAC has made an effort to really listen to its members, its riders, and uh, try to create a place that people want to go to, you know, whether it be events or whether there's someone they get, you know, information from or with the new U.S. national team. So, and we're a couple of guys who obviously are involved with Lambra, our regional bike racing association, who work with USAC, so we, you know we're somewhat biased, but I do think that if you know, the I can see that USAC is listening to the the membership base, and you know this is what we pay our license for, and we pay for all these things that happen, and like, like take a chance with USAC, and like, like promote your race with them, um, get a license, you know, like it's not horrible, and and they are listening, you know, yeah, your, your voices are heard, so so I, you know I think. To your point, and I agree with you, uh, but to put a little finer point on it, I think USAC has found it easier in the last, you know, five years that I've had experience. Uh, it's been easier to do that with cyclocross. I think they've really found that yeah. as a uh, as kind of a model for maybe how to reconnect with some of the grassroots uh, of where they're going. Uh, you know, they struggled, I think, for a while with their identity. What were they? Were they there to promote professional bicycle, you know, to promote American racers up into the professional cycling world? Um, or were they there to promote cycling as a grassroots amateur sport? And those two things, as you can see sort of with the move of cyclocross Nats to January, which was, I think, to try to accommodate and get more in line with the pro yeah. euro schedule yeah, yeah. Uh, th sometimes those two objectives are at odds with each other and i think this is going to be a great move to bring it back to december and to essentially sort of ignore the fact that 
um, there's this big European cyclocross scene and the world championships and the Euro championships and everything in January and really realize, and I think it's to the point that you and I were both making earlier, that like the cyclocross scene here is okay on its own. Like it's yeah, all right. Exactly. We don't have to, we don't have to have Americans going over to win world championships or to win world cup races to have a thriving and competitive domestic cyclocross scene. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Now it's nice to have someone like Katie Compton go over and win big races in Belgium. And it's nice to have her podium in World Cups and hopefully maybe this year have a chance to win yeah. uh, the World Championships. That's great and that's gravy. But from the standpoint of USAC and what cyclocross is about here in the States, I think it's about creating grassroots excitement for guys like you and I to want to go to Louisville, to Nats, and to have a competitive domestic racing scene where, it, I mean, if USAC could put on, could put out a cyclocross um, product like that race yesterday, year in, year out, and it was as well produced, as well covered, as well raced, and as competitive and as exciting as that race was yesterday, year after year, that'd be a victory no matter what happens in Europe and no matter how many world championships or world cup wins an American ever has in cyclocross. Yeah, and I agree. I think they're, uh, we're trending that way and I think it's, it's going to be, uh, it's looking up for the time being. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm speaking of a national, a, a strong domestic scene. Uh, one thing is a, a local, a series, a, a state, you know, sort of a nationwide series and, you know, last year we had the U.S. US Cup CX. I just saw on Twitter that Ryan Drabone is taking that over uh, all by himself. I don't know exactly what that means, um, but, like, look to see that, uh, hearing more info about that, and maybe maybe he'll expand that to eight races um, next season. But, uh, yeah, so this is probably a good way to segue to some local cross. Just want to give a shout-out to our Pensacola friends who are having a race is it this Sunday? It's this Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to go. Uh, Emily has to work. She could not figure out a way to swap. And if she's not going to go, you know, I mean, I would go to support her. Right. So. Yeah, um, I forgot for a moment as we were gearing up to do this taping, I was asking you if you were going to race. I, I forgot for a moment that you retired from cyclocross racing. <laughs> well, Because we've actually been on our bike together a bit over the last yeah, uh, no, few weeks. Yeah, so you're, no, you're back on the bike, I'm, at least. No, like, well, I mean, I've got, it's, uh, every weekend it's frigid. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's been, been an amazingly cold late December, early January down yeah. here. And, well, everywhere in the country, wherever you happen to be listening to this from. Yeah, I mean, I rode my road bike on, on Saturday, and that was a lot of fun. i got to tell you, after riding my cross bike for about a month and a half, uh, getting back on the road bike and getting to my road shoes, it, I was like, wow, it's so much faster and lighter. And I, I missed my road bike, and if it wasn't so damn cold on Saturday, I mean, it was still a good ride, but, like, I'm tense from just, like, it was, you know, 30 degrees all day, and we're just... There are seven of us who made the club ride. I'll tell you what, Rafa has got to be killing it in the winter jacket department right now because obviously it, it's cold down here. And if it's cold down here in New Orleans, you know it's cold as shit everywhere else. Uh, and and I, I know a number of people, including myself, that have indulged uh, in some some winter cycling gear over the last few weeks, sort of a reaction to this cold weather. I bet you the... I bet you the cash registers are ringing uh, 
with winter cycling gear right now around the country. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, race that uh, cross race now that the uh, Saints are not playing in the uh, NFC Championship game this Sunday like they should have been, barring a missed tackle at the end of Sunday's game. Brutal. Won't go there. Um, still drying the tears and uh, trying to get over that one. But uh, shout out to the Saints. Shout out to Marcus Williams. We still love you, bro. Um, I don't, Marcus. Great season. And uh, But now that the Saints won't be playing, I will be going to uh, Pensacola to race cross on Sunday. And I think I'm going to make it a double race weekend and Wait. go up and do the Dead Man Gravel Grind in um, Madison, Mississippi, uh, Ridgeland, Mississippi. Scott Coppersmith's uh, gravel race uh, on Saturday. Uh, not in shape to race that. I'm going to just kind of treat it sort of as a little bit of a training ride, training race. I've got Rouge Roubaix coming up in uh, about eight weeks now, our big uh, mixed gravel road race in St. Francisville that everyone I'm sure is familiar with. Trying to get in shape for that. So I'm going to go do some, do some gravel racing on Saturday and then head down to Pensacola on Sunday for the cross race. Wow, busy, busy weekend of uh, fat tire stuff for you. So what are you riding in a Dead Man Gravel ride? So uh, because I'm gonna go down and race the cross race on Sunday, I'm just gonna take one bike. Uh, so I'm going to race my cross bike with some uh, 32 slicks. And uh, then I'm gonna use those without changing the tires. I'm gonna use those wheels with uh, 32 Gator, uh, excuse me, 32 Continental Four Seasons. Those are going to be my pit wheels in Pensacola. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll have my race wheels uh, with my, with my uh, Baby Limus tread uh, for my, uh, you know, hopefully uh, those will make it through the, the race in Pensacola. But just in case, I'll have some backups. Um, so yeah, just bringing one bike. So I'm going to race the race the cross bike as a, as a road gravel machine on Saturday, and then a true cross machine on Sunday. All um, right. Not grinding any gravel though. I've decided I have a little bit of a pet peeve with that one. <laughs> that uh, is a terrible phrase. Yeah, gravel know. grinding. You know what I think about when I think when I hear gravel grinding? I think about grinder, <laughs> and that just makes me not want to ride bikes. That's, you're thinking of gravel grinding. <laughs> gravel grinder. grinder. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah so I think I'm not about, into like, it. chewing on rocks. I'm just like, ah, so yeah. anyway. Is it, you're not actually grinding any gravel. You're just not, like, well, I guess you're riding over the gravel. Some of the gravel grinds against the other gravel. Okay. Yeah, it's silly. Maybe crushing gravel. Yeah, you're not actually crushing anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> riding gravel. How about that? What's wrong with that? You're groading, bro. Yeah. And you're going to do some grode and some, some off-grode. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I still have to uh, make sure that I can square that up with, uh, with the family for this weekend. Uh, but uh, hopefully, hmm. got a nice double race weekend coming up. So we'll talk about All that right. on next week's podcast, where we're going to have Sir Cheerio back, finally, from all of his uh, world touring. He's been on several sides of the globe over the last couple weeks out on the west coast and now in uh, England and he'll be back to record the podcast next week where we can talk about the cross race in Pensacola and the dead man gravel grind and we'll also be able to talk about uh, road cycling tour down under starting today 
Starting today, starting probably going on right now, I saw some pretty sweet shots of Mitch Docker um, with his cap, with lots of luft and his sweet glasses. And he's, he seemed to have, sh he's got a mullet and he's like cut a line into his hair, like pretty much where his glasses go, which is interesting. He's got that beautiful mustache, or I believe they call it a mo down in uh, Australia. But yeah, Docker's looking good. Um, Tour Down Under started, Sagan won the um, People's Choice like crit that happens the day before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's January, I guess, road season started. Crazy. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess we'll just wrap it up, you know. Uh, we missed a bunch of stuff that happened in Cross. Um, you all know what happened. I think one of the biggest highlights was that Katie Compton uh, won the Davey Bay, and she also won a race. Um, Sonic Kant got a hundredth victory. Um, on the newswire, I saw that PFP is gonna race. Uh, she's a French national champion in cyclocross. She's gonna race some World Cups and she's gonna go to World Championship. So excited to see that. Um, so yeah, we'll have a little more cross next week. Um, yeah, we still have some more World Cup coming up. We still have the World Championships. So cross season is is far from over. This is that uh, crossover time of the year where we've got everything happening. And, and before we, we uh, sign out, um, I have a little trivia for our listeners. Okay. So, so I should refrain from answering You this. should refrain from answering. Because um, undoubtedly I'll know the answer. I don't know that you will, but... That was, maybe, that was a bit of a joke. Maybe, uh, maybe off air you can uh, tell me who your guess is. I'll write it down and won't, I'll, won't say but it. But uh, this is a shout out to our friend Matt Urchel who... who posited this question on on twitter and i did some research and i i think i found out who the answer was but um tour de france has released what teams are the wild wild cards and aqua blue is not one of the teams wow oh okay okay so aqua aqua blue uh has larry warbars our current uh u.s national road champion right and so, with the fact that their team is not going to be in the Tour, in the Tour de France, um, that means that we will have a U.S. national road champion in the Tour de France. So the the question was, when was the last time a U.S. national road champion was in the Tour de France? So that that's my question to our listeners. Um, you can uh, why don't you uh, send us an email at yeah you're right. <laughs> gmail.com we just heard a loud crash Something bad just outside the window outside. i hope that wasn't um, my car but yeah send us an email yeah you ride at gmail.com let us know who was the uh the uh, last american to wear the stars and stripes in the tour de france yeah and guys do yourselves a favor just you know on the honesty program don't don't go google it and find the answer see if you can oh, figure it well, out well i mean i didn't google it but i went and there's a few websites i went and uh, compared notes and i figured out what it was um, so yeah, let us know. Um, and also, you know, we're back on the podcast schedule. Um, you know, we've had some reviews in iTunes. We, I don't think we got a new one, but we would love a new review. Maybe give us some ratings. Um, you know, follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes. Um, let us know. Are there any other ways you want to hear our program? Um, reach out to us. We want to, we want to hear from our, our listeners. There's about 70 of you guys and we really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, tell a friend. If we could go from 70, if everybody tells a friend and those friends all listen, that will be at 140 before you know it. It's yeah. just like that shampoo commercial from the 70s that you're probably too young to remember, yeah, I buddy. Don't, I don't know what you're referencing there. 
All right, guys. Well, um, thanks for listening. And uh, this is the T-Bone signing off, saying I'll see you at the Dead Man Gravel Grind. And this is the Bodie Bodie saying I'll see you out on the road, riding road bikes.